Yo, you know that red button? Yo, that red button. Right, let's sing a song. Alright. Welcome to Trav and Lowe's. It's the Trav and Lowe's show. Wait, is it? No, it's the late night. The late night show. <laughs> sing along. I'm just, I'm having, I'm letting you have your solo. Along in. Oh, it's a solo. It's a solo. <laughs> late nights. Done. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> We're back again with Daniel. 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 Back again with the <laughs> 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 Uh, so if you guys missed it last week, we had Daniel on the podcast, and Daniel is giving us kind of like a walkthrough of his story. And um, I don't know, like, what, what was your, what was your main takeaway from what we learned from Daniel? I, I learned perseverance and not being afraid to make changes, drastic changes. Yeah, the 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 kicker for me was forward momentum, mm-hmm. and the moment you start to feel like you're getting stuck to push through it and continue your momentum because success isn't dependent on you arriving somewhere success is dependent on you progressing forward right right and so that i think that was that was a a highlight for me awesome yeah so we're back in the canteen again with daniel and we mentioned in the last episode that daniel is teaching this class um to other people at google and uh it's called make meditation easier easy easy Mm-hmm. You almost had it. <laughs> almost. I didn't meditate on that. Well, yeah, it is easier. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about like, where did the idea come to teach a class to other people you work with? Uh, I would never have imagined in my, yeah, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Where did that idea come from? <laughs> uh, partially from you, actually, Travis, oh. but partially from, I was taking this course called Search Inside Yourself. And mm-hmm. this, this is like a, famous course at google it's, it's like, like a retreat it's like three days right oh uh two and a half days okay uh but like it's its own book now it's its own institution um i know they had a book yeah there's a book yeah. there's a book that basically captures the whole yeah um, uh, course content there yeah but anyways i so i took the course and then at the end of the course uh it was like a lot it was like 30 40 people mm-hmm. and then we the, you know we all got together and um you know like one line, two two word summary of like what all this is about, and one guy said, "Not easy, not easy, not easy." Yeah. Let's talk about how not easy it is. Like, like what is like? Let's reverse two years ago. Los. Travis is tapping my left shoulder. I'm reversing him. I'm like winding. <laughs> he's rewinding. Back in he's rewinding me. My, my chair is spinning. <laughs> if uh, what, what's your like quick view of meditation and the kind of person who meditates mm, kind of person i like that like yeah like wh- two years ago two years ago or three you know like before you kind of like got california California. <laughs> <laughs> it happens right it happens you get california yeah <laughs> um what was it i think <laughs> just a vision of someone sitting still for a long time yeah um and and uh, just the idea of that two years ago made me feel restless Rest, yeah, yeah. It's like you can't contemplate being that person. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's always been. I'm gonna send, I'm gonna uh, echo that sentiment. It, it for me, understanding, trying to experiment with the idea of meditating and the people who are meditators. You know, it was always a them. 
Yeah. It was always a, mm-hmm. that kind of person. Not, not I can do this. And, and like I'm going back, I've been in the Bay Area for like five or six years now. I, I was trying to meditate when, I mean like maybe ten, about 10 years. Yeah. And always unsuccessful. Yeah. Let me tell you, I had a, an experience when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. for meditation and i lived uh with my mom and my dad and at the time i also lived with my grandma my grandpa my and my aunt and my uncle and my aunt and my uncle were taking a martial arts class and part of the martial arts class was meditating and so they would come home and they would meditate and they would sit and they would they would meditate right mm-hmm. and so they tried to get me to do it cause yeah they were, yeah they were excited about it and <laughs> yeah. I was like, so i sat down and and it took me what felt like an eternity, but it was probably twenty seconds, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I didn't get it, and I and I and I, I mean, I was really young, obviously, but like, the reason I'm mentioning that is two years ago, I was still that seven year old boy. Yeah, you know? yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. So 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 here's here's a, just I want to add on to that because I have a funny <laughs> anecdote because I meditate with my children now. Yeah, and my daughter is six, <laughs> and my son is turning four soon, and when I. When I do it with both of them and not just one at a time, mm-hmm. the, the young one gets like too restless. <laughs> and we were being still and my daughter was, was hip to it. But my son got up and started running around us. <laughs> duck, duck, goose. And then, yeah. And then he pulled down his pants and stuck his butt on me, <laughs> like on, on my shoulder. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this when you're doing that. <laughs> like, ah. I couldn't, couldn't handle it, yeah. the distraction. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so how, how long have you been doing this course? Um, I think maybe a couple of months now. So it is still okay. kind of new, still piloting. Um, yeah. Still experimenting with, with what it could become. Yes. And it's starting to solidify. The course is starting to like settle. Uh, but I keep finding like new ideas to talk about. Right. You know? It's a big topic. Yeah. And there's a lot of material out on it. There is. So there's a lot to digest. I, I have... Um, I have some like anecdotes or like some some like t- facts, I guess, about meditation. Go for it. But you know, I th- I think that you, <laughs> I, I don't I don't want to like steal my thunder. Uh, well, it's not like that. Like, it's just that I like okay. So Los, I don't know if I've ever uh, Daniel. I don't know if I've ever like said this in front of you either. But like I, I consider Daniel to be kind of like my guru. Yeah. If, I, if I'm feeling <laughs> no, particularly, you've never told me that. I've never said that to you. Okay. So it's a secret thing. I'm embarrassed about it. But, so if, if I'm feeling particularly stressed out or like like confused about a certain topic, I'll find myself wandering over to Daniel's desk and just being like, Hey, do you have a minute? Let's go ah, go for a walk or something. That's what happens. Okay. I do it a lot. <laughs> I do it a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, like early on, like uh, I mentioned in our, in our last episode that you were, you were the, like one of the persons who really struck me as somebody who's aware of what's going on, not just in the structure of Google, but in the world. Mm. And, uh, that was really, really attractive to me in terms of like, I want to attach myself to this person and kind of like glean the best things that I can mm-hmm. from them. Similar to what I did with Lois really like, like five years ago, <laughs> like this guy knows something or at least he's like fast learning at, you know, and yeah. It's it's been a good relationship, so I try to replicate that with Daniel. Um, so yeah, so, so sometimes I refer to you as my my guru because like this guy knows what's up. He's good at understanding some things. Um, how long have you, has your personal practice been going? Uh, so here's the strange part. Uh, if you count days, it's probably shy over like a hundred or so days mm-hmm. when I've actually turned it into a daily habit. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So years ago, you know, um, we talked about this last episode. Um, I think like during that time, I tried it like a few times. Mm-hmm. 
uh, never you know stuck around so it was in the back of my mind but it wasn't right. until you know roughly a little over three and a half months ago that like it clicked why mm -hmm. do you think it never clicked before that i never had the map the map mm -hmm. and is that what your course is trying to give us yes at least it's well first of all the course is trying to show you that if you have a map why you need a map that there is a map mm -hmm. um and like it's trying to unpack exactly why it's difficult to make mm -hmm. you understand it mm -hmm. because you can't solve a problem without like fundamentally understanding it right a lot uh -huh. of people think like the problem with meditation is like i just you know don't have the concentration mm -hmm. i don't have the ability i can't be paying attention to the breath and just like sit there um, right. they, they they think like that's the objective of it. That's not right, 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 right. I, I think that, that that totally falls in line with my experience too. Like realizing that there is something something better. Um, those you know, like those people that I mentioned earlier, like they have they know what's up. They they found <laughs> that them. thing. Yeah, yeah they're the them. And but I had no idea how to get to them. I didn't have that map. Um, so. So what I liked about, so, so I've taken your course. I was one of the first people that took your course. And what I really liked about it is it was so practical. Mm. I, I felt <clears> like somebody was explaining these things, which, which you know, my bias was that it, they were like metaphysical, spiritual kind of things. And Daniel's course was like, no, it's, it's like math. This is a textbook. <laughs> this is a textbook. All you have to do is like learn the equation yeah. and follow this map and like it will, it will work for you. Yeah. Um, so where did you find, where did you, I mean, like a lot of reading I'm, su I'm supposing, but like, like, how did you like organize this whole thing? Like, uh, so I would say probably my sources uh, come predominantly from three places, mm, okay. um, and I could I, I'm happy to share with you know you all because it's not a secret. I'm yeah. So w one of the things that I worry about in in discussing these things on on a podcast is that we simply don't have the I don't ability know. to communicate in such a way where you can actually understand what we're talking about. So yeah, like, yeah. Um, I mean, we can talk hmm. about the benefits of it. We can talk about how you did it, but like. Like, short of actually delivering your course, which yeah. is like a three-hour course over this, you know, microphone <laughs> here, how are we going to help the listener to get started today or get, get excited about researching it more today? That's not true. So, like, last time we talked about the idea of momentum. And mm -hmm. I think, like, if our li listeners make at least one step forward, mm -hmm. like, that is, it could be, like, increasing curiosity. It could be, like, having a new piece of knowledge, uh, changing the way you look at things. Um, I think all of that, then like our time here would all be worthwhile. Okay, so let's so, do that then. So we'll do the best that we can, <laughs> the best intention, and yeah. then see what happens. Okay, right? okay. Um, so what would you like to know? Where, where do you want to start? Um, okay, so what really blew me away in your course was a few experiences that we had that you... you uh, so Daniel gave me a, a little clicker, like... Um, what, what do you call these things? A clicker? Yeah, they're cl <laughs> counters. Like clickers. You, you, you click the button and like, it rotates uh, to one. It's like uh, when people walk past you in like a sporting game and you're counting how many people will enter the stadium, right? Oh, right. It's like one right. of those. He gave me one of those and he says, go out and click your moments. And I, I, I sat in front of a large window mm -hmm. and I, I stood in front of this large pane glass win uh, window and there was a tree outside and I sat, I, I stood for a half an hour looking at a tree and just being like oh look at that leaf click <laughs> moment <laughs> like and like i was like oh man i'm looking at how like the leaves are actually um lighter shades of green at the top and towards the bottom 
they're darker because they're getting less less bleached by the sun. Mm -hmm. Click. I'm like, wait, look at how the sun is actually wrapping through the top of the trees. Click. Look at how the tree is reflecting off the wall over there. Click. And I'm like, and I was getting so excited about appreciating this tree and yeah. like noticing all these details that it was it was excited it was. It was thrilling, actually. <laughs> and, and I was like, I've never had that before. And it's so, like, those are like some of the few of the practical exercises in the course. Yeah. But also you have these like really great, uh, again, practical explanations of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he had these like charts of like how your focus is. And you had these T's and these A's and stuff. Like, tell us what those charts were doing. Like, It's Google, right? You got to explain everything. Uh, <laughs> everything. Yeah, everything's in a slide deck at Google. <laughs> so let me give a little bit of context of that exercise. So what I have people do is that they, I, I have them quantify and be completely consciously aware of their moments of appreciating subtle joy. Mm -hmm. And so this could be something like, you know, we're all sitting here. You feel like uh, the breeze in your face. Um, like you're like, ooh, that actually feels pleasant. And I ask people to turn their attention into where that pleasant sensation happens in their mm -hmm. body. And what that does is then, like, it creates this positive loop where then you start looking for it again. And then you're like, oh, it's actually kind of cold, but I've got clothes on. I'm warm. That feels good. Mm. So, and what happens is if you start to do that, it perpetuates. It, it builds this momentum. And then the next thing you know, it's like one positive uh, emotion leads to the next. Um, and even though they're subtle because of the repetition with which you do them, they turn into bliss. Mm -hmm. And this is what I... This is one of the first exercises that I have people do because uh, a lot of the problems that people have is that they think like meditation, you have to sit down, you have to close your eyes. Yeah. And, and what that does is immediately the mind screens. Like, I don't want to do this. Get me out of here. Mm -hmm. It builds resistance. Mm -hmm. Let me look at Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because we've been so addicted. There's been like all this conditioning. And what that resistance does is actually says like, oh, actually, every time you have a conscious intention to try to become mindful or practice, you've got this unconscious conditioning that actually does its reverse, mm. and it actually cancels each other out. It creates physiological homeostasis, meaning like you don't change. You don't develop a new habit. You mm -hmm. don't become more mindful. Mm -hmm. You don't think meditation is any great, regardless of what you hear, because your experience tells you otherwise. And so the exercise with that clicking and noticing that um, I have people do is to try to like reverse all of that and try to get people experience a positive momentum of a positive loop because that's what happened to me actually before i even started meditating um i did that exercise for like a number of days i was like in bliss he dude so he comes <laughs> over to my desk and he's like look at this clicker i'm like tell me about your clicker daniel what are you, what are you doing and, he, and he's just like he's like every time i have like a thought I just click it. <laughs> and he's like telling me about like how he's like noti just noticing anything, like whether it's positive or negative or just, just becoming aware of the process yeah. and clicking it. And, and by doing that, he was able to start getting a hold of what actually triggers happiness, what actually triggers um, uh, peace or, or quiet or excitement or whatever. And also, you know, anger or frustration or stress. Right. And, and from that, it was, it was kind of cool to like, like check in with him like as I, at like day five and day twenty like how's it going he's 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 like he's like my f I, I can't even explain so he, he, <laughs> like, like he's like the, fir the first day I did like like fifty clicks second day was like two hundred like I'm at like a thousand clicks a day now because he's like becoming <laughs> yeah, more awesome. and more aware in fact um one of the things I mentioned earlier in this podcast that I had like a bunch of like um facts or like little factoids about meditation 
one of them was a definition of the word mindfulness. Mm. When we use the word <clears throat> mindfulness a lot, and maybe we, we could talk about what it is, and this yeah. definition is pretty good. I, I liked it a lot. It said, uh, it's becoming consciously aware of your thoughts and decisions. So it, mindfulness is not being like, I am so mindful of you and about the things. That, it, it's just like, I'm, I'm aware of how my mind is working. I'm o- consciously aware of your thoughts and decisions, observing uh, the inner experiences as if they were happening to someone else. And I like that definition as if they were happening to someone else because when when I look at what you're doing, I can like describe to myself what you're doing and maybe even why. You know how like it's easier to give other people advice than it is to like take your own? Indeed. It, it's, it's like that. Like, it, you know, I can see like, oh, he's walking across the street to pick up the mail. Okay, he's like stops and, get, you know, lets the dog take a pee in the whatever. Um and you can you can narrate and you can observe externally. And this this definition is saying that can we do that to our thought process? Mm-hmm. Can I observe and be consciously aware of those decisions and what is driving them and narrate them as if I were external? Um, and and that that it gives you this distance, and you're not. Um, I guess I guess we're so close to the process, or we let it so blindly drive us that we don't realize what our triggers are. We just go, I'm mad right now. I'm so, I'm so frustrated or stressed out. This meeting or this thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and you don't realize that you know there is something behind that feeling, that emotion that's triggering you. And there's something even behind that trigger, which is, which is an expectation that's not being met, which is a bias that's mm-hmm. being you know, triggered, I guess is the word. So what you're talking about there, Travis, is is uh, what we call sensory clarity. It's the ability to actually discern all the components that you exp- that that we call experience, right? So there's like sensations in the body. There's thoughts going on in your mind. There's images that come in, like the the mental kind of screen, um, and the ability to see all of those things separately allow you to not be attached or or tangled to it, and just see it like. This is how emo- uh, how like anger feels at the mm-hmm. very moment, right? And you, can, and, and you can start to point at it and say, this is how anger feels. Yes. This is the thing, you know, objectively point at it. This is the thing that triggered it. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what is the, the bias that was triggered? What was the expectation that was not met? Um, there's a, a really interesting uh, kind of um, study that was done for people who have OCD. Mm-hmm. And uh, after t- 10 weeks of mindfulness therapy, which is like learning to identify these kind of things mm-hmm. separately from yourself. Um, 12 out of 18 OCD patients um, improved significantly with their obsessive compulsive uh, yeah. disorder. And that comes from being able to say like, what is driving this obsession? Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. My sister-in-law has OCD and she lived with us for about eight months. Uh-huh. This was round two and she lived with us and she lived with us uh, three years prior. And uh, in between she went through, mindfulness therapy oh yeah and mm. so when she was here uh there were times that the ocd would would take over right and the times that she would be able to improve and in a, in a sense the way she put it beat it was because she could articulate the obsession and how it's getting manifested and what mm. the trigger is mm. and so she she learned the tools to interrupt that pattern mm. and, and break the cycle mm-hmm. um but i could still see her struggling with it but the difference between three years and and after uh, going through this with her th- with her therapy sessions is she was able to like you said Travis point to it point to it mm-hmm. give it a name mm-hmm. it takes the mystery away and 
and the uh, the anonymous power that it has in your life um, being able to control you from the outside is no longer possible when you're shining a light on it. Yeah, uh, to give you a simple example of, of that is my son is seven, and there's t- there's he's at this age where he kind of wants to watch scarier things, mm. right? And so he'll he'll get scared by something, right? And then he he'll tell me that he's scared and and and, and he's like having nightmares about it or or whatever. And so I tell him, I was like, do you know why you're scared? Right, and so mm-hmm. I explained to him what it is that's making him scared. But, like, but let me tell you how they made this TV show. Mm. And so I'll draw it out and I explain to him that there's there's about eight nine people all around here, and then I'll show him of the making or behind the scenes or something. It's like really, he's not alone walking, you know, through a mm-hmm. dark hallway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are eight people all around him, and it really isn't a hallway. You know, it's mm-hmm. fake. Yeah, and so the mysteriousness of what's making him scared disappears because right. he understands why it's making him scared and he's, how, aware, of, and he's aware of how yeah. it's made right that that, <laughs> that reminds me of this really <laughs> funny quote from uh elon musk who said like we're gonna go to mars are you yeah he's yeah that's really <laughs> awesome today he's just talking about mars today um <laughs> this quote is like he's like i used to be a, uh, afraid of the dark when i was a kid and then i realized that darkness just means that there's no photons resonating between <laughs> resonating between like 80 and you know 130 nanometers yeah. and i thought well that's nothing to be scared of <laughs> oh, and i probably got the science wrong in that quote yeah, but like but the whole sentiment is there like he like discovered like how to rationalize it and point his finger at it you yeah know? and say like well i don't be scared i shouldn't be scared of a lack of photons yeah it's my eyes don't do that <laughs> that's 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 really good so 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 you have this um <laughs> Uh, Daniel, in your presentation, this this chart, like this graphic, like you 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 tap through it, you know, of like mm-hmm. the, your mind, your awareness is wide, and then you focus in. Can you talk a little bit about that and why understanding that process is helpful? Sure. So there's two modes that the mind uh, knows things, right? There's uh, what we call attention and what we call peripheral awareness. Now they behave a little bit like um, vision itself. So you can like pinpoint, like you can look at a point in space mm-hmm. and then you also kind of notice um, things around it without like looking directly at it, right? Your vision works this way. Your attention works this way too. So as you're listening to this podcast, your attention is probably in my voice, but you might be aware of like your surroundings in peripheral awareness. Yep. Um, Attention, what it does is it's uh, very selective. It tries to analyze whether uh, it's worth paying mental energy. That means, like, uh, is it interesting? Uh, Is there potential for reward, for threat? But when things enter through peripheral awareness, uh, what it does is it analyzes, like, context and relationships. It has to enter awareness first, and then attention, like, grabs. So there's kind of, like, play between attention and awareness. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, it goes kind of in and out. There's a dynamics to it. And you can study it. That's kind of the important thing. You, mm-hmm. you, you know when, like, you're totally absorbed in work. What happens is awareness collapse. You, you don't know who's talking. You're, right. you know, um, your attention, your mental energy is directed 100% at the object of your attention. This is what we describe as flow. Uh, this is what you describe as flow. It's <laughs> very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. When you ha- yeah. but, but the thing is, like, unlike states of flow, uh, what happens with meditation is that the object of attention is neutral. It's the breath. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, in most cases, I mm-hmm. should say. And we don't know how to replicate this without an inherent interestingness. In fact, like we all like seek flow, right? You want to like, um, 
I don't know, go whitewater rafting because like you find yourself lost in a moment. We pay tons of money to mm-hmm. like have high states of concentration. Mm-hmm. But you can train yourself to do this with ordinary objects, with like driving down the freeway and like be in total bliss right. if you choose to take the time to develop it. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's more to it, but that's kind of the gist of it. I like that. I, I mean, I, I get excited because like this is like, it's like a muscle that you can train. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, in fact, me- mental um, training mm-hmm. is, is really interesting. Uh, there's this study that I was reading in preparation for this conversation about uh, the, these pianists, people who are learning piano. Mm-hmm. And they told these this group A to practice their mm-hmm. normal practice, which is like every day or you know whatever, for half an hour every day. And then group B, they said, don't practice the piano every day, but mm. sit Mm-hmm. quietly and don't move your hands yeah and and envision yourself practicing the piano right and go over the exercises mentally and do that that work just mentally mm-hmm. and then at the at the end of the uh study period they um measured their both of their growth and they had grown the same yes there was no difference between the groups right. and which which is interesting because it, it shows us that uh, mental work is just as efficacious or in other words, uh, it bears the same results as physical work. Mm-hmm. You know, the, those <clears throat> same neural pathways that are being created when you're moving your hands across the keys are being created when you're imagining you're moving your hands across the keys. Right. Um, and I, I, think, I think I also heard something about a similar study with basketball players, like where they told mm-hmm. they told basketball players just imagine yourselves practicing. Sure. And and then they had a third they had a third group in that study which did not practice at all. Mm-hmm. And the first two, which the practicers and the mental practicers, significantly outperformed the non-practicers. Yeah. Well, the takeaway from all of this is that basically any activity, including physical activity, depends on your mental capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, like your mind is basically the baseline mm-hmm. in which what meditation does it raises that baseline concentration, which means that even when you're particularly not trying to be like, uh, you know like have a higher level of focus that is just generally higher altogether, right? Mm-hmm. And the more that you do this, the, the higher it gets. Mm-hmm. And so this impacts like all of human endeavors, really, if you think about it, right? Your ability to regulate emotion, uh, self-awareness, uh, focus, performance, productivity, like it just like elevates everything in your life. Right. So what, what positive impacts have you seen from your practice in the past almost 100 days or so? Positive impacts on my life. Uh, wow, there's so much. Um, I would say probably the number one would be this, is that I have now more ability to choose my subjective experience so that it harmonizes better with uh, the objective experience that's unfolding moment by moment. So um, giving an example of how that would work out is like, let's say... Uh, you're in a meeting and somebody says that your work is horrible. Sure. Happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how, does, how does what you described play out? So imagine scenario A, like the non-mindful experience. Is mm-hmm. that like, dude, what are you thinking? Like, this sucks. We can't go with this, right? And mm-hmm. those words alone, because of my previous conditioning, would trigger a surge that I would feel through my body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that feeling, uh, I would... I would then observe thoughts that are like, I am being attacked. Mm-hmm. And my response is, I know this now, like the amygdala, right? The part mm-hmm. of your brain that is like 
uh, producing like you know flight or flight response would um, send like these surges and you'd have thoughts into like um, you've got to defend yourself mm-hmm. in which then you start down a path mm-hmm. that everyone's familiar with kind mm-hmm. of scenario B is that the triggering still happens because um, you know we're conditioned but now you you observe it as just like pure sensations you're like ooh I feel like hotness in my chest I feel a surge um, and then now you've got an option because you you perceive it as not something that is inherently part of you you see it just as um, an experience a sensation that's happening in your body and you're even seeing these thoughts you're like oh okay yes I know this is what happens when I'm triggered I'm being triggered right you mm-hmm. you, you can label it yeah because you're mindful like in, in the way that we <coughs> talked about being able to observe what's happening yeah. objectively exactly as if it were happening to another person you can say like oh look there is a chemical response to this yes I'm being flooded with like fight or flight uh, sorry fight or flight uh, right now like and and then make a uh, a conscious decision of how to actually respond. So here's kind of the interesting piece. Um, you actually don't have objective experiences at all, right? But mm-hmm. what happens is the very fact that you notice these things are actually new mental objects, right? New mm. thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're, you're aware of thinking itself. We call that metacognitive awareness. Mm-hmm. So that you know about the mind itself and what that does is it creates an option. It creates an option for you to say like, I'm not going to respond. To pause. Metacognitive awareness is what I've been talking about, like being able to observe. Right. Okay. Right. Just, I just want to make sure I understand. Yeah, just, just, of, just of the very fact that you now have, you're observing two thoughts. Uh-huh. Like one is that the thoughts of anger itself, like the thoughts of judgment, but you just have the thought of, I'm having thoughts. Right. Mm-hmm. That alone <laughs> is actually, um, you, you've now got newer options which you did not have before right. because of mindfulness. Uh-huh. And that thought of, like, I am having thoughts. Um, leads to new sets of thoughts that explore new paths of options. Interesting. Which means like I can step out of the room. I can choose to just continue to focus on my body. I can choose to focus on breathing. I can choose to not to listen. I can choose to um, uh, to actually not say anything, to step out of the room. Mm-hmm. I think I've already said that. Uh, or, or just wait. <laughs> what? I just created a vision of, of this happening and it took us about 30 seconds to talk through it. <laughs> I just imagine you, just like Daniel, just standing there, not doing anything, but just having this conversation with yourself and 30 seconds later. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how you win an argument. Cho- <laughs> 30 seconds later, you choose to respond. However, uh, I, I'm making a joke about it. This happens yeah, almost instantaneously. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Well, well yeah. I think with practice and training. Right, right. Have you seen the, everyone seen the movie Matrix? Matrix. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So the first one, not the yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the Matrix. <laughs> the moment when Neo comes back to life. Yes. And uh, the three agents fire bullets at yep. him, and he like was looking down, and he says, "No, wait." And he yeah. sticks out his hand, and the bullets like stopped. That's what kind of like how mindfulness works. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's like this chaos happening, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, oh I see it. I see it." Mm-hmm. Right. That's. I don't have to respond to this. Mm-hmm. I actually have something else that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um. Doesn't work quite like that, but <laughs> it illustrates the point. Um, you and I were talking recently over a, a personal matter of my own, and I'm trying to like use these tools to to sort through those things. And uh, we got on this topic of equanimity. Mm. Is that one of the goals is to try to, um, despite like the storms that are raging, find balance. And uh, equanimity is kind of like 
someone explained it to me uh, in a really good, really good way that was helpful to me. It was like you know those uh, toys that you like the weeble wobbles. You you push them and they kind of like they'll get pushed and then they'll, oh, yeah. they'll come back and like bounce back. You know, yeah, the inflatable clown with the round bottom. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> uh, ba- that, that's like a boxing. Yeah. yeah. So um, the equanimity is that you're you have this equality within you where you know you you come back to center you have that yeah. balance right um can you can you talk to me through that a little bit about um how is that a goal and, and how can it be achieved okay <laughs> just daniel it up right now just like we're going we're going for the the, the, the big fish right now so let me big explain fish. a little bit more about equanimity <laughs> big um, fish equanimity itself is i think like uh, it's a, it's like you said, it's a state of balance where there is not pushing or pulling. Uh, there is not a movement toward uh, pleasure and no movement away from pain, which is the default like preconditioning mm-hmm. of our minds, right? Um, so why is this kind of a goal? Well, when you have experiences with like equanimity, you actually, uh, you, you forego distortion is what happens. Uh and th- this is a little bit subtle, so I'll explain it, and then I'll do my best to try to prove it, but you, you actually have to kind of experience it. Um, so when you have an object of, like, desire or hate, let's say momentarily your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not true, but in the moment of anger. You're in a fight. Mm-hmm. You're in a fight. That's, that's kind of, like, what happens. What happens is that you, you think, like, what she said or what she did, for example, um, was like the cause of the feelings of the anger that you were experiencing. And, and so what happens is that you your perceptions become distorted. Like all of the uh, unpleasant emotions that you're feeling, you're attributing it to the specific, usually like worst case scenario is the person, next best case scenario is the behavior. Um, what you're realizing is that actually these things weren't the cause. They were the triggering conditions, but they're not the cause. The cause is the conditioning that exists within your mind Mm -hmm. but you've you've distorted the perception because of the feelings that you're having so you've gotten the cause and effect kind of like almost backwards and this starts to have a ripple effect imagine like as you move through life you don't have equanimity you're always like seeing not things the way they are Um, and so you formulate a response you take a course of action that is driven by that distortion you Mm -hmm. say like no i wasn't it you're it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and guess what that does is that it creates this movement back and forth until like both energies of that was created by anger like uh, boil to a certain point, and you're like fine, yeah. right? And at some point, you remove both of yourselves remo- uh, are removed from the condition, and then like it comes back. Yeah, but as you can see, like we can't find peace at home. Imagine like can't find peace like in countries right like this is why wars kind of like You're happen right, right um so what equanimity does is that it allows you to just say uh for the time being like you notice these feelings um rise you see it for what they are you know that it'll pass and in fact it does and then you wait until like oh actually that that's a that's a more harmonious thought that's mm-hmm. actually in line with my values that's actually what i want to do um and uh, once um, equanimity becomes more or less um, a, a state that you can tap into all the time, like 
you become kind of like a wiser person, really, mm -hmm. like less reactive. Um, you know, you can think of equanimity as like being calm, like during like like a storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I, I was I was listening to a podcast, um, and Shane Moss was the guest. He's a mm. he's a comedian. <clears throat> um, Pete Holmes was the podcast. Uh, What's it called? Uh, you made you made it weird. Mm. Is a Pete Holmes podcast and. Uh, Shane Shane Moss is a comedian, but he's also very much interested in um, behavioral psychology and mm. behavioral sciences. And he was talking about I thought that was fantastic, uh, uh, fascinating. That when you're in a, that like that argument, you're in like that fight or flight, the high stress state. Uh, you you have this flood of chemicals and kind of like that that's that's you know telling you to to get out of there or fight. Um, and let, let's go back to the argument with your spouse kind of scenario. Uh, he said that there's going to be a, a moment in that situation where there is a resolution. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that you still have all these chemicals because they take a while to like be absorbed mm -hmm. back in the body or, or like, like, like diluted minutes. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's so a 20 minutes. Yeah. They, they take a while to be, um, to, to be gone from the body. And, and, uh, he said, he said like, after you have even, not even a full resolution, even just a semblance of a resolution, just go on a walk for 20 minutes and say, let's continue this in yeah. half an hour. And then like, it just becomes clear. And that's kind of what you were referencing a little bit ago. But this is, this is interesting. He said that, um, if you keep arguing, you'll end up, and you may have had this experience where somebody will keep grabbing things from the past. Exactly. And, and cause what's happening is that even though you have some type of re resolution, your brain is saying, okay, what's next? You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. what? What else is there? And then they're trying to your brain is trying to grab anything to to fuel the the the, the chemical uh, imbalance that you have, um, and that's why the arguments can sometimes take all night because it go it goes into like way further territory than the initial conflict. Sure, uh, I thought that was I thought that was fascinating, um, and good advice just to just take a breather. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's if you're mindful enough to take the breather, right? So it, these things like you need. Uh, some you need enough of it so that you can take the right course of action to like get you more of it. Mm -hmm. So there is kind of like a chicken and an egg thing that mm -hmm. that goes on. You need to be like a little bit mindful to even want to meditate. Mm -hmm. um, which is why, like, I give the advice that like you've tried meditation, it doesn't work. Don't don't start with meditation. Mm -hmm. Don't start, start with, with meditation. Else. Don't start with meditation. So yeah, let's get to that. Uh, what would you advise our listeners to do to learn more to get started to um, Get their feet wet. I would say practice happiness first. Find joy. Mm -hmm. And um, I think this is something that you're motivated to do anyways. It's part of the reasons why you want to meditate. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a bunch of practices that relate. Um, it, it, it points toward meditation, but isn't like quite there yet. There are things like um, uh, like gratitude, you know, like uh, journaling, uh um, noting like appreciations, like noting positive things happening in your life and seeing like how many things like you can count, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I, there's a bunch of like literature out there on like the happiness advantage. Like mm -hmm. I said, look to, to that literature first. Okay. Um, that'll lead you down a particular path. One exercise that we've been doing around the dinner table is to each, each of our four members of our family we call it low high and we, we say what's the low point of our day and we kind mm. of verbalize that and identify it and we talk about why yeah and we say oh, hi it was a high point of your day and then recently we added on um what are you thankful for yeah and then we added on uh, what kind of needs do you have 
and it, it's interesting with you know with a four year old, <laughs> um, but I, but I think like the practice, even even if we're not getting any gems from him at this moment, you know, like what what are you thankful for? My toys, you know. <laughs> um, even if we're not getting those things that we as parents need to know to enable him to have a better life, we're still giving him the uh, the 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 um, I guess flexing the muscle of verbalizing, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to, to have that practice of looking in and saying, what does make me happy? What was my high point of the day? What was my low point of the day? Mm -hmm. And why did that happen? Mm -hmm. Reflection. Re reflection, mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So a, 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 some practical things you can do are like, like you mentioned, journal keeping, uh, having that re re reflection. Um, and, and when you said trying to find happiness or find joy, um, when you said that my, my kind of alarm went off a little bit like, okay, mm. but it needs to be the right way. Cause Tell I, me about like, that. well, I, I don't want, I, I wouldn't want uh, someone to be like, Hey, well he said find joy and you know what? Ice cream makes me happy. And so now I'm responsible for their binging on ice cream and they're not sharing with me cause I love ice cream or, you know, drugs or, or like, like something, I don't know, something unhealthy. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's all a part of the journey. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I see your point. Um, and that's not to correct what you're saying. It's just like, um, I guess. You're worried about kids. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you're worried about, you're worried about people who don't have enough. Um, what's the right word here? Mental faculty to know that. A certain certain types of pursuits of joy are have like this yeah. temporary pleasure, but right. like the Cause, long cause I know term you. cost is higher, right? Right. So, so, I, so they don't even have that base level of mindfulness <laughs> because, because I know you, and I know from like the, the position you're speaking from, and I and I saw you blissed out, right, on like clicking things, wishing people had joy, like like one of your projects that you told me about was like to sit on the bus, and when somebody came onto the bus, you would wish them happiness. Mm -hmm. And you were like, he was high as a kite. It was, <laughs> it was crazy to see him like that. And I was, I was like, that's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. And like, that's not necessarily meditation, but that's a practical so thing you can let do. Let me see if I can qualify it. Okay. Like, look for sources of joy that you normally overlook. Yeah. That'll point you in the right yeah. direction. That that tree that you had me looking at for a half an hour. I didn't ask you to look at. No, the you tree. didn't. No, that, that's how <laughs> I, that's how tree. I interpreted and like that's how I enjoyed the practice. practice. Travis heard, go look at a tree. I'm like, dude, that freaking tree though. Uh, it, like that was that was one of the most purely happy moments that I've had in a long time. That was not based on anybody else's choices or like like intentional stimulus do you know what i mean yeah like i wasn't watching a movie i wasn't having a conversation with my wife i wasn't like you know like trying to have a moment with somebody it was just like i was like i really think that this tree is incredible yeah and i really <clears throat> am so happy that i get to see it it was a really great you, so experience. the kind of joy that you were experiencing travis if i can describe it a little bit is that there was no expectation that you had of the tree to give you anything. Mm -hmm. And when we form expectations of things to give us a sense of happiness, when we were finally, actually what happens is that you're actually, for the longest time, when you're waiting in anticipation, you're actually in anguish. And when you finally get it, what the happiness that you feel is actually a relief from not having that 
craving that anguish that mm. desire anymore not necessarily from like getting the thing itself you think anticipation is a form of suffering um anticipation anticipation a certain type of anticipation where yeah. you're uh you're expecting whatever that object to give you a thing that you could yeah. give yourself right 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 like waiting to go on that date with that the most yeah. beautiful girl and you're like yeah. oh my gosh is it gonna be good or is it not like that's like suffering <laughs> yeah like why can't you be happy <laughs> oh, that was very interesting man wow uh, we, we're going a little long. I don't want to. I don't want to take too long. But this is. I mean, we could go on for for a long time. <laughs> I, I really appreciate your uh, your being here and, and and sharing your uh, your research and experience with us. It's been amazing. Thanks for inviting me. On. Um, Los, we uh, we sometimes read reviews from uh, our, our iTunes account mm-hmm. where we publish this uh, podcast. Los, do we have any new reviews? Yes, we have one review to read and I have it here alright it was left on September 15th 2016 by Ash Attack five stars the title is in all caps DABS DABS (laughs) I just did the dab (laughs) I listen to Travis and Lowe's during my workouts while driving and when learning to code you guys keep me going when I'm feeling discouraged or frustrated I send you guys all the positive vibes in the world, and I hope that you continue your efforts. That's awesome. Nice. How appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about um, when Daniel commented earlier that, like, you're listening to this podcast, but you're probably doing something else, too. Yeah. You know, like, like how, how do you uh, have your awareness brought into focus and things like that? Like, and, and I find myself doing that as well, like, because we're so distracted these days. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll have a YouTube video open while I'm designing. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't, I don't Today know. we had a, uh, so I, I helped facilitate a design disrupt session, just mm. disrupt the thinking uh, of our products and, and just disrupt their way of thinking at a company, right? And one of the uh, prompts uh, within this brainstorm that, that, that I helped facilitate was our customers are distracted. Mm-hmm. They're always distracted. They're not studying our website. They're not studying our product. They're using it while being ever distracted. So try to have empathy and develop that. And that is your constraint. What would you change and how would you do things mm-hmm. differently if you knew that you only had 10% of their attention? And, and you know what kind of is like, I don't see another answer, but what's kind of frustrating about that is that the answer seems to be like distract them more <laughs> distract <laughs> distract them louder that's what it seems but here, here's what's interesting is there are a lot of the solutions uh, which I see as band-aids are well let's get a survey let's let's understand you know everyone wants to understand the NPS score right? mm-hmm. Google's mm-hmm. doing it all the time mm-hmm. you know, and every other company is trying to do it that mm-hmm. that they're they're there's a callus that all of us are creating in in our collective customers um, that desensitizes them to the solution that we just created, which is that right. itself. So, given that they have this callus that is developing, and only ten percent of you, of your of their attention, what would you do differently? Right. Yeah. Anyway, that was a prompt, mm. and. Uh, I don't know why. I would, well, no, I, I mean that all yeah. that all relates back. I, I would love to hear what your uh, what your kind of ideas were uh, off air. Sure. 
but thanks a lot for reading those um, that and then, and then also thanks uh, to you know for giving those uh, those reviews on iTunes it's really helpful to us it keeps us motivated and inspired and also it helps other people to decide to you know hit that good old subscribe button that's right uh, if you want to hang out with us you can send a voicemail sometimes people make make a little mp3 on their phones you know and email them to us at travinlos at gmail and also we have a twitter account called travinlos and then travinlos.com is where you can find all of our back issues (laughs) of our episodes so thank you so much for joining us with another night and daniel and thank you that was awesome that was incredible man thanks guys